Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join me in an empty yet sunny capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Rory Muti, Chief Executive of Redbox Mobile, a full-service paid and organic app store agency. Rory, Hello. Yeah, hi. Good morning, Matthew. On this bright, sunny day, how are you? I am well. Thank you for coming on the program today. Um, normally, we'd crack straight on to uh, the subject of leadership. However, um, with the extraordinary circumstances that we are uh, surrounded by, uh, we must address the uh, effects of the COVID-19 outbreak on uh, businesses. Now, how has uh, your uh, company uh, had to deal with this? Yeah, so I think I think first of all, look, I hope I hope all of our listeners are safe and well and, uh, and and staying at home. I think the um, I think from the off, the, the the main focus for us has been to to really really be clear on looking after people, looking after cash flow, and maintaining the vision. And if I kind of you know lead a bit further on that, when when these sort of really horrendous things are happening, the the, the companies and your team really look for you know, strong leadership, clear direction, and, you know, on the emotional side, just to make sure that they feel okay. The, one of the biggest challenges mm-hmm. is actually just making sure that your team feel okay and they feel secure and they feel safe. That, 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 that to me, has been one of the biggest pieces. And how have you been going about that? How, uh, what sort of methods are you undertaking to make your team feel safe and okay? So, so I think uh, if I take a bit of a step back, we, we've um, we've sort of been uh, working uh, distant, remote working for, for, for quite a while. So, so actually, the, the the technical step of being able to run and focus and, and make make the company operate has actually the transition has been very very simple. But you know, it, it's things like um, uh, you know what you'd normally do is everything's business when you're talking. But but a lot of the communication now is you know. How are you? How's the family? Did you stick to your routine? Did you go and play your, play some footy or some soccer mm. with your son in the garden? So, to make sure people are okay, is it's really from from my perspective is is lots of FaceTime, lots of it's not all business. Yeah, how are how how are you doing? How how's your team doing? As a company, we've kind of sort of. Um, Made sure that you know quiet time is is really respected. So we've you know we give we give everybody uh, access to, to Disney Plus so that they can watch TV or program with their families. We do sort of like pub quizzes on a Friday afternoon where the team can all get together uh, remotely, and we're, we're sending sort of care packages to, to to our clients and to our teams, but with a bit of with a bit of lightness in there. You know, there's a there's, there's a table tennis ball because you can play with it inside. There's some chocolate for the team. You know, there might be the odd beer on a Friday afternoon, but it, it's really just feeling and thinking what what your team might be going through, and if you're going through it, then the likelihood is that they're going it through. So, so we're just trying to empathise really with everybody in the company to make sure that they feel okay. Because if mm-hmm. they're feeling okay, they're feeling strong. You know, happy teams make happy business. I'm sure you may agree uh, with uh, uh, my next statement, but it does seem that uh, this is bringing people closer together, even though we're physically further apart. Uh, I know for my part, I've had a, a whole lot more interaction with colleagues while being at home than I would normally in the office. Uh, do you find that this is also the case uh, at Redbox Mobile? 
Yeah, 100%. 100%. And, and I think that that really does, you know, the three things that I mentioned, people, cash flow and vision, you know, when you're when you have to talk to people, you normally just pick up the phone or, or send out a quick email and, and just, you know, very little empathy would go into a lot of the communication that you're doing. But, you know, taking the time to set up a video dial with the team and, uh, you know, having some good quality FaceTime, people are just talking more. So I certainly feel I mean, there, there'd be groups in, in, in the team that I wouldn't necessarily try and speak to every single day, but I'm making sure that I am speaking to everybody. And in doing that, you, you are getting so much closer to, to certainly on, on the business side, getting so much closer to all the team, but they're all having to do and talk the same. So actually communication is one of the key drivers of the change that we're going through is really, really good because people are picking up the phone. They're talking to their colleagues, they're talking to their friends. We don't get the, uh, the you know the water cooler chat situation happening anymore, but um, I think the, the the positive bit is people have to talk. You know, you're just sending an email now. Um, well, it, it, it's much easier and much cleaner and nicer, and uh, to, to pick up the phone or FaceTime somebody and just have that communication so they understand it because there's no physical team meetings anymore. Do you think once things are back to normal, this will last? Do you think we still have this sort of uh, level of interaction or do you think people will uh, go back into their old ways? Well, I mean, <laughs> slightly contentious point. So, so I think the old ways uh, inherently have been wrong. I think, you know, people sitting on trains, commuting into, into town and whatever and having London offices, I just think it's a bad use of people's time. You might as well be at home with your kids and, you know, if, all of the activity that 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 are that's succeeding being done remotely, I don't think we're going back to uh, the, the the way that we were. And and I think it's the it, you know these are dated working processes. If you can do everything by the comfort of your your lounge and living room and spend more social time with your family, then that's the way it has to carry on. It, it's just better for the soul. So I hope everyone doesn't just go back to getting on the M4 and driving into London for for two hours and you know long train commutes because it's better for society that you spend more time with your family. Mm -hmm. It's better for society to spend more time breathing and just being out there. So I actually don't think that we will go back to the way that that, that we used to work. You will obviously meet for either um, you know parties and, and and fun and enjoyment, but you know. You're making an effort to go and meet and see your colleagues going into going to have your meeting or going to have client meetings. And I think that's the right way. I, I don't think it should be business as usual that you're just trudging into the office every day, irrespective of if you could have done that remotely. So so I hope that we don't just go back to old working styles. I, I think the change is really, really beneficial. And that's across the age group. Yeah. So grannies and grandpas being able to dial in on, on, on Zoom or Skype or whatever the, the, the video calling. I think that's great. I think that's, that's excellent. So I don't think that we will suddenly go back into um, uh, that, that working environment. I think we'll see a bit of a benefit on the carbon footprint of travel. I do a huge amount of travel. And a lot of it is that's just not necessary. If you can deliver it all with courtesy and, and kindness and care to, to your clients, then you kind of should. But when you do meet up, then I think that's of super value. And actually, that engagement when it's face to face will have more value to, uh, to to the relationship you have with your, you know, customers and clients. 
Absolutely. Now, of course, before we finish, we have to touch on leadership. After all, that's why you're here. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> now, I always like to start this uh, part of the program off by asking a very simple question, and that just plainly, what does the word leader mean to you? Oh, so if I look at my leaders, and the word leader to me is somebody you respect, you trust, you believe in, that you would, uh, you know, be prepared to, to follow. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, the, the Marvel superhero leader. That same leader can be uh, somebody that leads you through, um, you know, religion, somebody that leads you through, uh, through uh, a, a medical situation. But the same principles of what makes a leader is somebody that you trust, that you believe in, that you believe can take you through the journey that, that you're ultimately going on. And that journey can be a business journey, it can be a life journey, it's a spiritual, spiritual journey. But I think those traits are, you know, <laughs> and, and I must admit, I think I'm not the best leader. I get very excited, I get very emotional about lots of things. And, but one of the key traits of, of, of a leader is a clear vision, you know, somebody that you respect and that you trust, but it's also steady. You know, in these times right now, you need a steady set of hands at the wheel. And I think that is, you know, if I look at where, where I try and do with my team is, let me give you the really clear vision. Let me give you the, rear, the really clear path that I want to take the team and the company on. And if you follow me on that path and follow me on that journey and you trust and believe in me, then we will get from this place to the next stage. So mm. in, in, in summarizing that piece, it would be, you know, trust honesty, respect, you know, these are really standard things, but to do it 24 seven in these types of environments and, you know, in these conditions is tough. It is really difficult. You know, the leadership in entrepreneurship is, you know, the highs are high and the lows are very low, but to give your team that reassurance, empathy and trust, I think is really critical. And I'm no expert at it. I try my best. I have my faults and my failings. But well, that, of course, is a, is, a, is a key uh, aspect of modern leadership also is humility. <laughs> uh, because oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, I should, I should really have led with that piece. But yeah, absolutely. Well, I think, I think you did when you admitted that you're not a perfect leader. I think it's when people say that they are perfect leaders that one is uh, sleepwalking into disaster. Um, now, unfortunately, our time together has drawn to its close. Uh, but before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Redbox? So, uh, so, so our business is all about app downloads, actually, and we have a, a SaaS platform, so so people can log on remotely. So, it's not great or good to benefit from the, the, the current environment, but but actually, the nature of our business is we're really growing fantastically at the moment, and uh, it's the right type of growth. It's healthy. It's not forced. So, I think we are continuing our journey. And growing, and I think we will trade very comfortably through the current environment, and then look 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 to our uh, look to our sort of start our future, which will form part of an exit and acquisition through a wider group. Um, but people are using apps, and that that as a market as an industry is not going anywhere. And we get apps to the top of the app store. So um, I think our future twelve months, you know, we're just testing, trade through this period comfortably. You know, feel strong and look after our teams and our clients. 
Now, Rory, although we have uh, run out of time, I'd love to have you back on the program at some point in the near future so we can actually get a bit more in depth when it comes to uh, app development and uh, also uh, how Redbox is leading the way in that field. Uh, Rory, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the program. Thank you. Well, that's my pleasure, Matthew. And really love your, your, your voice. It's just so brilliant for this. It's got a really <laughs> great tone to it. Really lovely. So, yeah, I'm more than happy to join another call. So, and thank you very much. It's, Thank you. Please stay safe, be safe. That was Rory Moody, Chief Executive of Redbox Mobile. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, Thank you very much for coming on today. uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Although there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, <laughs> one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at the football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and a manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with, he'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in Sir Alf Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the talent of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with the captain, 
um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to involved in my career in those early days were two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge when it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, mm. Naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across, and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people, and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you. And you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organization, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless with that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment? I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad, and surprising, they were not. 
there was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of a group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, Norway, I think, in Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games. And I probably didn't quite replicate my, my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into him because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, well, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were a very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And there's—I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? 
And of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there are. There certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you in the It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stu- stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely. But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we. Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a, at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I had a somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what a question. What a question. Uh, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. But then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make then again, laugh if you laugh If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think. Um, you, you were a young man when see this happened when you must have realized that people teammates began looking at you for leadership um is that something that occurred to you or did you just realize that by by quick one way or the other people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration well possibly that's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now quite frankly that's a new a new question mm. does anybody look up to me I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you 
as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um, well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And, of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this for a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well, he's the best example of management I've seen, we've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think, could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood, yeah, the, the answer, straightforward answer is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership, but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many... Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with, all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the, um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. 
And I wouldn't and, when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding, and I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big absolutely. a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We have some great players. You- we have some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word, the, word is team. The, word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. You know, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership, all the time it's a huge part of your life but it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level you may you know have a, have a couple of weeks holiday but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm I'm sure there's not uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation, and I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over this, go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, Another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland its parent company, or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.